everyone, welcome back to Flywheel. This week we have uh, Taiki Meta, who has a YouTube channel of the same name. Uh, and this week, you know, this was our first YouTuber we had on. And honestly, I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed his honest, refreshing perspective of both his journey into getting to crypto, you know, the classic poker to crypto pipeline, how he went through being a Bitcoin maximalist first, and then how he first like, got his taste of DeFi with Badger. And then eventually, you know, he kind of discovered DeFi bit by bit. Um, and, you know, what did you think of the whole interview kit? Like, what did you think of his journey? Yeah, I, I think it was... Um... A very natural progression for the intellectually curious to start on the Bitcoin track. Then you start buying into the full decentralized maxi ethos, jumping over to ETH, being strong-headed on ETH and principled, and then finally submitting to the narrative and pivot over to all the alternative L1s, which is kind of what yeah. he did with Avalanche and Polygon. But I feel over time, he refined his investment process and the way he evaluates and the metrics and KPIs that he pays attention to, you know, also makes him a very principled and, um, refined investor over time. And he, he was very yeah. honest with the mistakes he made too, which I thought was like very refreshing. Very to honest. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, like I definitely sympathize with him with both his like L's cause I've suffered very similar L's and I al also you know, completely vibe with the decentralization thesis. Like at one point I was like, oh, Bitcoin's the center of the universe. Bitcoin is gravity. It's the heaviest object. Everything will just go to Bitcoin. But over time I refined that thesis to like, oh, like Ethereum is the heaviest object in the universe. It's going to be like the center of the universe. And I was like decentralization all the way. But then like, you know, I think like, like you said, intellectually curious, like, you know, willing to admit that they're wrong and willing to adjust. And uh, Taiki is one of those people and you can tell that, you know, he takes like a good look and a deep dive into the projects he looks into. And like, I was watching his tracks video and like, he went in on like every little detail and, um, you know, came to his own conclusions. And I recommend everyone watch his video, um, even like before this to like, get a sense of like what he was thinking. Well, let's go ahead and dive right into the episode but before you do please make sure you smash that subscribe button on flywheel pod on youtube and don't forget to follow us on twitter at flywheel pod and also on telegram at flywheel pod and don't forget to follow me your boy defy dave 22 on twitter and you can find me at zero x capital underscore k on twitter as well let's jump in and let let's get this started I'm your host, DeFi Dave. I'm here with Capital K. And this week we have Taiki, pronounced like Nike. How's it go? He is with a T. Yes. Uh, he is a host of his own uh, YouTube channel, which has a considerable amount of subscribers. And uh, we actually noticed last week he did a whole breakdown of Frax. He went into every detail. He went into FPI. He went into Frax Base Pool. He went into Frax ETH. He has his, and he developed his own thesis about Frax. And uh, we wanted to get him on and just, you know, learn more about his thesis and more, learn more about how he views DeFi and crypto in general. So, Taiki, it is awesome to have you on. Thank you for taking the time to join us. No, thank you. I mean, I, I, I think I listened to all your podcasts. Um, yeah, so, no, I oh saw that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I saw that in the video and like you, you see like all the red bar like to the end I'm like oh wow like people are like really watching the flywheel people <laughs> yeah but no I, yeah. I appreciate it and um yeah let's get this started so uh I'm curious like 
how did you go from like first like discovering crypto and DeFi to like being like, hey, I want to make my own videos and I want to get content out there? Yeah, so I guess I learned about Bitcoin in like 2015 when mm -hmm. I was like a freshman in college and I was like trying to deposit money on like a poker website because uh, like online poker in the U.S. is, you know, not legal. Um, and that's uh, like, the that's classic heard about. poker, the classic poker to crypto pipeline. You love. To yeah, see. yeah. And then the BTC looked like a scam. So I just kind of ignored it. And then in 2020, with the lockdowns, uh, the online poker scene was booming. So I decided to do, like do poker full time. Um, yeah. And what made BTC look like a scam back in 2015? I mean, the, like if you just go to like the main website, like Bitcoin.com, like whatever it was, like everything just looks Bitcoin so. Forum, Bit or was it like Bitcoin Talk? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Like the website was just like so janky. Like it looked like <laughs> it was like not updated for like the past 10 years. I, I like I wanted nothing to do with it. Um, and then 2017 happened and I, I was like kind of observed it from the sidelines. Um, never really, you know, put money in it. And then 2020, um, like, like you said, like there's like a poker to crypto pipeline, right? Oh, sorry. Crypt yeah. Poker to mm -hmm. crypto pipeline. And that was like mm -hmm. in a bunch of poker discords, like studying and like. I guess you know supporting each other <laughs> through like um, the grind and um, obviously everyone is like into crypto just because you know there's everyone's familiar with bitcoin because you need bitcoin to deposit onto uh, poker websites um so you know I, I think i bought my first ever bitcoin in, like may of 2020 and i was like just like trading it like you know not really knowing like what it was about and then i think around august um, I, I i actually built conviction uh, in Bitcoin, because um, the whole like money printing meme, right? Uh, in twenty twenty, mm -hmm. and then that's like when DeFi summer happened. Um, I didn't really participate. I was just like watching Sushi launch and like Rug in like a couple of days. And I just like thought it was too dangerous. Um, but over time, um, or I, I guess like as Bitcoin started pumping, I was like, okay, like I need to spend more time on this. Uh, so I like slowly stopped playing poker, and I was like, you know, putting more money into crypto. When you were observing DeFi summer and everything that was going down from the food farms to sushi, what were your initial thoughts and reactions? Were you just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, how is this even happening? Or like, were you like, oh, this is like some really interesting financial innovation. Like I should really pay attention more. I, mean, I, I never really thought of it as like financial innovation. I just thought of it as like a speculative vehicle. Um, but obviously, you know, there was like so much money pouring in. I just like had to spend more time on it and then that's like when I started like my channel. If you go back to like my first ever videos, um, I think I made a video on like you know Bitcoin, like like why you should buy Bitcoin or something like along those lines. Like awful video. I made like some Michael Saylor mm -hmm. videos too, and then I think around January. Oh, so you started I, the Bitcoin I, I was, maxi. I was a maxi. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was like a decentralization maxi, uh, like BTC and ETH, and then mm -hmm. I think around January, February, I started like making random videos on like DeFi concepts, like. I made a video on Badger, like Sushi and like KeeperDAO and stuff like that. Um, never really knew like what I was doing, mm -hmm. um, but I just like did well because the entire markets were like pumping in general. Um, and then over time, um, yeah, so, and then, yeah. you know, Binance Smart Chain happened, um, the BSC season in early 2021. I totally faded it just because, like I said, like I was at Decentralization Maxi and like that's when I knew that. That's yeah, where you went I, wrong. That's when I knew that, like, you know. <laughs> I guess decentralization matters over the long term, but in the short term, people don't really care. They just like want to use the chain, like speculate, make money, have fun. Um, 
Wait, let's look. Let's uh, reminisce on BSC season for a sec. Kit, did you participate in BSC season? I was like, you know, you like, I, I was like, no, I am not touching <laughs> it. I have principles, and in that moment, I chose. <laughs> you know, I remember when CMS wrote, "Do you want to be rich or do you want to be right?" You know, so I was, I was principled, and I steeled myself from uh, bridge. I just, I what you did. Yeah. Um, I think I was, I was principled at first, but then I started to come around to it. I had this one moment where I was on a clubhouse with, um, Bobby on yeah. from CoinGecko. He had me on with a few <laughs> other people and I was able to get the perspective of people on the other side of the world in Asia and like people in developing countries. And they were all about BSC. And then it was, it made me really think about like, wait a second, like Binance is the funnel for all these people to get on chain, like whether it's in, in a centralized or decentralized way, like Binance was like their first step. And I think Sam actually put it best when he tweeted, Binance Smart Chain is basically the Binance SDK, but on chain. And I'm just like, oh, it's this like kind of middle ground. Um, and like, once I like thought about that, I was like, you know what, like, this is probably a good step. It's kind of, it's like, you know, DeFi boarding school in a sense. And like, I started like messing around with a few things on BSC. Um, to be honest, like I, I had terrible risk management back then. I during BSC and dog season, I completely faded it, and I was still I I caught and still am a DeFi romantic, and so it's just like my 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 DeFi coins like that's what's gonna <laughs> but I was completely completely wrong there. Um, but and it was like there was so much like you, you were so right, uh, Taiki. Like so much money was pouring in, so much speculation was pouring in. I it was really interesting seeing all the TikTok videos appear, and it was like TikTok tutorials on how to like get your money on wallet connect and then how to like invest in like DAW coins and meme coins. And it was like, it, I was like, it was, it was just really funny seeing like all these meme coins fly and all like the DeFi romantics, like myself get like that were in it, like early on, like get just completely fate, like faded and just completely lost. And I think it made like a lot of people like take a look at the marriage, just like, okay, this is gonna, it's actually gonna be a multi-chain world. Um, and we like, what's like what's going to be next um i don't know what are your thoughts yeah i mean yeah like for sure like i i actually never bridged to bsc but like when i missed yeah but like, never when i missed out on bsc yeah. i was like i'm 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 aping on but like the next centralized chain like ne the next thing and like that's when polygon happened and like yeah like polygon polygon yeah. really kickstarted my channel just because like everything on polygon just like went up um there's like goose fork season and like it yeah. was like so blatantly a Ponzi, but you know, you just like, if you're in a day one, like you just like make money and then yeah, like m much simpler times. Yeah. Much simpler times. Yeah. Po Polygon was like the blessed eat chain. It was, I like to call it the, the real Ethereum test that yeah. <laughs> like it, it, it was like, okay, like this is like decentralized enough. You're, you're cool. Um, but do you remember stable point season on Polygon with malt? And, yeah, uh, yeah, for I, sure. Did you participate I, in that? <laughs> what, where's your thoughts it, on that? Like, I mean, I, I knew that they were all going to fail, but um, I put, I, don't know, I think I put like a thousand bucks into Malt and like, I made like 500 bucks and I'm like, all right, I'm out. And then I, I think it rugged like, or not rugged, but it's just like went to zero. And then Iron Finance, I, I don't know why yeah. I, I faded it. Um, I, I think Iron came out or it came out in June, I think. And I think... Yeah, it came yeah. out like right after. I think Malt. part of the reason it did so well was because 
the markets were crashing and people just like wanted to hold stable coins and like, you know, still be degenerates. Um, so like the iron finance, their, their team was like, oh yeah, like, you know, we're pumping in a bear market, but I was like, no, like, I feel like it's only pumping because we're in a bear market and people just like want to hold stables and like degen that up. Um, I, I faded iron as well, um, but I I think I made a bunch of like bearish videos. Um, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. I remember iron because iron, a lot of people don't realize this. It started on BSC. I remember farming that on BSC. Um, and like it, it went through like similar issues as well. And it was yeah, actually yeah. a fork of Frax. It was a fork of V1 Frax. I'm just like, oh, this is like kind of cool. Like these people are like doing it on BSC. Um, and then like, I don't know, it crashed on BSC and like whatnot. And then they went to Polygon and it, I think like a few big firms were farming it and that's what got its like yeah. its big TVL. And then the, the kind of top moment for it was when Mark Cuban came along and wrote his Forbes guest post and he was like, I'm going pool three. I'm farming that. I, I have that iron die pool and I'm just raking in fees. And everyone was like, oh damn, he's thinking like five steps ahead, blah, blah, blah. And then <laughs> boom, it goes from like 60 to 50. I'm just like, cause I was farming it too. I'm like, all right, I'm out. Like get this is over. And then it just goes to zero. It was like, it was basically like Terra before Terra, like how fast it just like went down. But like, it was only DeFi degens in it. So it didn't really make like that big news except Mark Cuban going and crying and saying like, oh, we need regulation of stable yeah. coins, blah, blah, blah. But that Alameda was a fun was in time. There too. Um, I, think, I think Alameda uh, I think was half the TVL. I think yeah, they Alameda. had like half a bill. Yeah. No, they were. Yeah. Alameda was, yeah. Uh, they, they, I, I like to call Alameda an industrial no, they, farming they truly, operation. Yeah, they, they, they really like are. like the Monsanto. <laughs> like the Monsanto I think, of, of I think crypto. Alameda is like one of the best farmer, like farmers in the space. Like, I mean, I, I guess. Yeah. They I literally just farm and dump everything. Yeah. So I guess they have like, exception- it's hard for them to lose. <laughs> they, I say that they have exceptional risk management. Like they just know how to play the game. <laughs> and also when you have like that much capital and like, you know, and like you get experience over time and they're just like, okay, we have, we see another farm. We're just going to go, go in and out real quick. And like, that's just what they do. That's why like, honestly, like I've really, I don't like, like personally, like I really don't farm aggressively anymore because I'm just like, I stop because like there's no point I'd rather like like go and build and do my research and like do stuff like this podcast and talk to people like yourself than like go run out and farm and I think like everybody has this kind of like journey in crypto where they like oh I need to like trade oh I need to like make as much money as possible it's really like not about that it's really just like finding your own lane whether it's like being a shit poster or making memes or educating or like every or like finding like a job in marketing like everybody like has their like place and like most people aren't meant to be traders and most people lose money trading. It's like better off just like finding like people like chill people to build cool stuff with like Kit and Sam <laughs> and just like and just like vibe out whether it's like yeah. bull or bear. I feel like right now when there's a lack of capital inflow in this space, like like ninety five percent of farms aren't really worth it. Um I think right now, um th- there's like random narratives popping up, right? There's like the L two narrative, the emerge narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not really sure how sustainable, I mean, obviously the merge is going to be bullish, like mid to long term, but in the short term, I don't really know. Yeah. I feel like the majority of participants are like pretty educated on, you know, PVP markets and whatnot. Yeah. I guess two things, like one, like, what do you think of optimism season happening right now? And two, like, what do you think of like the Lido rocket pool eat steak um I'll, I'll talk about the second one first i think i think lido is interesting um the, the token distribution is like really bad 
if you look at mm -hmm. it on the surface, I think the majority of the token that goes to team and uh, investors and whatnot. Um, but I listened to, um, well, I was like looking into it and one of the benefits Lido has as, um, as they, you know, put in the post-merge world is that right now, um, they kind of have to incentivize liquidity for stake ETH, paired of the ETH. Uh, you know, I mean, it, stake ETH is not a pegged asset, but, you know, they want it to be, you know, resemble the price of ETH, right? Um, but after the merge and once people can actually redeem their stake ETH, um, they no longer have to provide Lido emissions just because, you know, it's going to be pegged um, regardless uh, because people can redeem stake ETH for ETH. So their emissions are going to lower after the merge. And also their revenue is denominated in ETH um, and other L1 assets. So if ETH does well, if other assets do well, like Matic, then, you know, their treasury grows over time. Obviously, you know, like Lido, like they had to sell off their treasury um, because they weren't managing it properly. Um, like back in... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's one of the reasons I bought Frax. Yeah. Frax, yeah, yeah. buy that, um, yeah. So there's that. And yeah. then on the optimism side, um, I think I'm... Yeah. I like Arbitrum more than Optimism right now. Um, I think the only reason Optimism is doing well is because they have token incentives. And once Arbitrum has a token, uh, whenever that is, um, I think more liquidity will flock into Arbitrum. Um, like everything is pumping so hard in the Optimism ecosystem. And I think it's easy to fade it and whatnot. But if you think about it like rash, like logically, like I think ETH TVL is like 66 billion. Uh, ETH DeFi TBL, like some, like, or maybe not, around 60 billion or something, right? And then Optimism is like 600 million, arbitrary yeah. 100 million. So to, to go back to the Lido Rocket Pool narrative, do you know what like the exact differences between Lido and Rocket Pool and like why Lido has so much of a market share? Um, I actually had a friend, but Xerox Jim, um, shout out to Xerox Jim at Ave. Uh, he, uh, he tweeted something like that along the lines of like Lido is like the convex of, the eat of Ethereum because it's just like eating up ETH. Um, and I was like, oh, that kind of makes sense. And I'm just like, you know what? Like, this would be fun to market make on Uniswap B3. So I've had a, mm. I've had a Lido ETH pair on Uniswap B3. Not too degen. I didn't go like too, too tight of a range. I went like probably like 2.5x 2, 2 above, 2.5x below the price it was a week ago. And that thing printed the past, the past week. Like it, it absolutely printed the past few days when everything was pumping and there was like that mini pump, uh, app, which was, really, which was funny after the, uh, the whole federal reserve committee, open markets mm -hmm. committee where they're like, everyone thought it would be a hundred basis points, but it was 75 basis points and the markets went berserk. It was just like funny. Everybody was just like, it was like, oh, it's like all green and shit. And, um, I'm, and there was just like a lot of hype around that day. I'm just like, oh, this is pretty cool. Um. Uniswap V3 is a lot of fun. Um, Taiki, what is your thoughts on Uniswap V3? Have you like market made on there before? Have you supplied liquidity on there before? Um, what do you think of it? Yeah, I, I think from a technological perspective, uh, Uni V3 is like really like, innovative. And you kind of see a trend where the main DEX is on other chains, such as like Orca on Solana, Trader Joe on Avalanche. They're all going to concentrate liquidity route. Um, I think these teams recognize that, you know, these, the Uni V2 model, like the XY equals K, uh, it, I mean, it works, but you know, that's not like the future of just AMMs in general. Um, I haven't, I've never been like an LP on Uni, um, just because I think I don't really have an edge there. So I don't really want to like mm -hmm. pretend like I know what I'm doing, um, especially yeah. because crypto, crypto prices are so volatile. 
Um, what I do want to do is like in the future, I know you can like single side deposit um, assets uh, and th they can act as like mm. limit orders, uh, like limit cells mm. or li uh, limit Oh, buys. the range orders, yeah. Yeah, so I might do that for certain assets if things look too frothy or in, maybe I want to catch the knife or something. Um, but aside from that, I, I don't really provide liquidity. Um, and from like a tax perspective, mm. it's kind of like difficult too. Like how do, how do, how do you report? Uh, it, it's just kind of difficult. So I'd rather keep it simple and um, spend more time doing research than, you know, spending like hours figuring out like what the correct price ranges is for Lido ETH or like ETH USDC, something like that. Yeah. You got to pick your battles. Got it. And, and, and speaking yeah, yeah. of picking, uh, Taiki, like how did you go about evaluating all of the different DeFi projects that you look at? Because I see that prior to the Frags video, you looked at GMX, you know, like, I, I want to see a bit into how you evaluate these projects. Yeah, I love yeah. this journey from Bitcoin Maxi into like all out like DeFi. Yeah, so let's let's see. I, I guess like one question, it, I, I, yeah, like, you, you have to ask yourself is like, what's the purpose of these projects existing? Um, and I think in the bull market, like you know, we all get caught up in <laughs> things that pump, and like it doesn't really matter, right? Like people will like, oh, like ape into Omen stuff and like, they don't really care. Um, and like Dome Forbes, but now, um, given everything is down 80 to 90%, um, I'm not really interested in like, uh, like Delta neutral farming or like stuff like that. I'm more interested in like capital appreciation plays. Um, and I think there's a lot of edge to be had, uh, identifying long-term theses and narratives. I think in the short term, um, like I said, it's like super PVP, I think. So, you know, trying to front run narratives is kind of difficult, um, even though it could be rewarding. Uh, so for the majority of people, I think it makes yeah. more sense to find assets that could reach all-time highs in the near future or like six to 12 months, 18 months. Um, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's... Like, yeah, like GMX, it's making money. It's making money, um, mm -hmm. you know. It's like a great model on tokenomics are like, it, it makes a lot of sense with GLP, GMX staking and uh, escrow GMX. Um, I'm a fan of that. And then FXS, um, I mean, I made an hour long videos, but I feel like the only up only market in crypto is the stablecoin market cap. And though, you know, mm -hmm. Luna didn't work out. Um, I feel like it always makes, like, this is my perspective, but I think it always makes sense to hold assets like that's in the stablecoin sector um, because I think the risk reward um, makes a lot of sense. I mean, like fraps, like $5, like, of course it could go to zero. Um, but, you know, if you weigh the probabilities and like mm -hmm. the expected value of just like buying FXS at five, like it just like made a lot of sense. I also own some CVX, but I'm more convicted on FXS. Um, yes. I think it makes more sense to bet on Frax as an entity utilizing the stablecoin wars or the curve wars to grow their own stablecoin rather than, mm -hmm. you know, CVX or something. But I still purchase some CVX because um, I, d I do want to hedge in, in the case that, you know, I am wrong and, you know, CVX just ends up being the kingmaker. And <laughs> you know, they, they call it the kingmaker asset. Um, so, yeah, I hear you. You know, I, just I focusing mean, on mm -hmm. stuff like that. You, you mentioned um, like, GMX actually making money and Frax actually being self-sustaining. Like, what are the KPIs or metrics you look at? Because it sounds like you are a very fundamentally driven, like, investor. 
you know, is there anything that you can kind of share with the audience to help them keep, you know, have a KPI or a metric to kind of measure these projects against? Yeah. I mean, it, it depends on the project, right? I mean, for GMX, it's what are the volumes? Like what's the TVL? Um, because if liquidity leaves GMX, then it's the token will go down because there's not much liquidity for people to trade. Um, and I'm a fan because it actually scales. Like you would think that with more liquidity, because with, with yield forms, right? Like the more liquidity enters a project, the yield goes down, um, because they can only offer like a fixed amount of yield, but with GMX with, with more liquidity, it can actually facilitate more trades. So, you know, it's just tracking volume and fees with FXS. Um, it's, it's like. It's really simple. All you have to do is track the market cap of Frax. Um, you know, that's probably like the single most important KPI. Of course, with Frax VP, um, I mean, Frax VP is like the reason why I expect Frax to grow in market cap. Um, but who knows? Like, you know, if, if Frax isn't growing, then, you know, that thesis is invalidated and like might be worth selling or something. But with things I'm buying right now, I have like a pretty long time, long-term time horizon. Um, maybe like... I mean, long-term in crypto is like subjective, but a couple months at least, because um, I, I I believe that like, or for me, like I, I don't think I have an edge in trading. Um, I think I'm okay, but like I'm not like no, the best. So I'd rather find assets I believe in and just like buy and hold through, with like, with full conviction, <laughs> you know, like diamond hands, whatever. Because um, if you think about the most successful people in crypto, it's like people that built conviction and like held their the volatility, right? Like, of course, the the best traders like are, are giga rich and whatever. But I feel like it's much easier um, as a market participant to like just build theses and just watch it play out. Mm. Um, that way, you know. Another yeah. thing that you, yeah, another thing that you said uh, in your Frax breakdown was in bear markets, that's when you build moats. And yeah, Frax yeah. was in this bear market that Frax was building a moat, like both of like Frax BP with the other primitives they're building. And you even cited this podcast as kind of like a satellite. In oh yeah, I said that. A cult promote. <laughs> yeah, a cult promote. Like the fact that this podcast started is, you know, very, is bullish and optimistic for Frax. And so can you go into that statement more? And like, have you like, I is Frax like the only one you've seen like developing this kind of mode? Are there other projects you see developing modes? Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, because I mean, if you think about, I mean, people like to use the, like you know, the dot com bubble, like analogy where like everything went down a lot, but you know, Amazon just like kept building and scaling and built moats, and like that's why they're giants today, right? Um, so when there's less speculators, when there's less money to be made, um, the people that are building, uh, if you can't really create moats, then your product probably doesn't have product market fit, like most likely. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like, you know, you have to keep tracking, like I, I, I can hear someone type, uh, but, um, I, I feel like you have to build modes and I feel like one way you can build modes is by being infrastructure. Um, for example, like mm -hmm. Chainlink did really well in 2019, uh, 2018, 2019 and parts of 2020. Uh, and now, you know, I feel like it's really difficult to bootstrap like a new Oracle project just because Chainlink is the number one, right? Like if you're building a new money market, then like I'd rather, like if you're not using Chainlink, then I feel less inclined to deploy. Not because the Oracle isn't, like other Oracles aren't great, but I just feel more comfortable with Chainlink. Um, 
So similarly, how do you feel Uniswap being an or how I, I was, how do you feel about Uniswap being an Oracle token? I mean, Vitalik had that yeah post that. proposal last year in the Uniswap it form, and like you, I mean, Euler uses Uniswap V3 oracles for their lending market. So, do you think there's room for competition for Chainlink? Um, I I feel like Chainlink is already a monopoly, and I think that's fine. Um, I think other pro I, I think other projects use. Uni V3 oracles because it's cheaper to use Uni V3 oracles. Um, but ultimately, um, I don't really care about buying projects or buying tokens of projects with like 50 million TVL. I'd rather identify things that can get to multi-billion TVL and all the multi-billion TVL projects mm -hmm. will use Chainlink. Um, and, and with yeah. Uni V3, I mean, I'm sure it's fine, but there is... I, I'm not. I'm not like too familiar with like how they work and whatnot, but I feel like they could get exploited in some way. Um, I think some projects use like yeah. Sushi or Uni Oracles in the past with money markets, and they like got exploited. Um, so, yeah. So I just like trust Chainlink. More. One of my favorite, yeah. One of my favorite products from Chainlink is actually their proof of reserves. When they you can for like things like Bitgo, you can see like the amount of like Bitcoin they hold for WPTC, and I think that's really cool and really important. So like, I know like it, they're more than just like oracles they are doing all kinds of stuff too. Yeah. Especially with staking coming soon. Uh, I know they have V0.1, uh, which is like, which doesn't really pay to think, but if you think about, you know, 2033 and beyond, I feel like, cause one thing Chainlink doesn't have is like value accrual, um, <laughs> you know, um, but once, once staking is enabled, <laughs> it's a little important. <laughs> yeah. But once staking is enabled, I feel like there could be more value accrual. Uh, so. Yeah, I think that's an issue with all infrastructure tokens, not just Chainlink. There's also um, where I used to work, Gelato as well. Um, there they focus more on automation. Well, Chainlink has automation as well, but Gelato was the first ones to do it, and like they're gonna have to figure out value value accrual in the future. And their proposed model is um, also staking. And if you want to be in like a validator or like operator robot, you can stake uh gelato tokens and well i wonder if chain like if like if you want to be like an about is it if you want to be an oracle provider you have to stake your chain link tokens i think there's that too um but I'm also actually not sure yeah i'm not too familiar with uh the the incentives for being like a validator or you know staking chain link um i'm sure that like if you're just like a link whale like a link marine you get to stake it earn cheese um but i also think that you know if you're like an institution that needs accurate data, um, yeah. they're, you're, you'll, they'll be incentivized to buy a bunch of links, stake it, uh, so they, you know, they, they can verify yeah. the data or calls and whatnot. If, if, if there's, if there's one thing for sure, it's that link is an institution in the space. Yeah. Or th that's, that, yeah, that's what people say. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, when you, yeah, I go ahead, had a question regarding the, the fee switch kind of like, um, debate across all the in infrastructure products, right? Like you have, when will Uniswap turn on their fee switch? When will uh, Lido turn on the fee switch? And do you think like these infrastructure products should be, should ever turn on a fee switch or should they remain almost like a pseudo public good type of thing? Well, from like a market participant perspective, you kind of want them to have like value core, right? Just so like we can buy it and number go up. But if you evaluate, if you evaluate Uniswap as like a startup, 
then, you know, like if, if you invest in like a random startup, then like in the real world, you, you don't want them to pay dividends, right? Like mm-hmm. you'll say, no, like screw that. Like, please reinvest into your business. So I think the, from like a token holders perspective, you want there to be value cruel, but from like a longer term perspective, you kind of just want them to keep reinvesting and like Uniswap, like acquired Genie, right? Uh, the uh, NFT aggregator. So you, you, you kind of want them to like, do stuff like that, then like turn on fee switch. Um, I think Uniswap, they have a proposal, right? To enable fee switch, uh, like, like 10 basis points or something. Yeah. That's being debated right now. Yeah. yeah. For ETUSDC and like some state bookmark pools. So they're like testing it. Right. Um, and there's like some interesting discussions on Twitter about like, if they do enable like, like fee switch, then maybe LPs are like, going to be less incentivized. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because like you need B3, it's really annoying to, you know, map out ranges. I mean, it's possible, right? Um, but it's not really retail friendly. So maybe that can, and if, if the fee switch is enabled and, uh, you know, the fee, like part of the, yeah. like, maybe like five basis points of fees goes to like stakers instead of LP, LPs, then maybe more liquidity will leave the system and look for other exchanges, whether that's Curve or, I don't know, like Sushi or whatever, it, or Balancer or whatever it ends up being. Uh, I mean, the thing is, like, no one knows. Um, yeah. I, I feel like Uni will be no a really knows. good token to buy and hold with, like, a five-year time horizon or something. Um, I do expect it to get to all-time highs. Um, but I think there's a lot of opportunity cost in just the Uni governance token right now. Yeah, it's in most of the treasury in the Uni token. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's, it's like multi-billion treasury, mostly yeah. uni. It's uh, so mostly, yeah. it's insane. Yeah. I think at, at peak, it yeah. was like yeah. maybe three that. or four billion. And then it went all the way down to like one. Yeah. It's, um... There's this really cool website I found called DeepDAO. Oh, yeah. Um, it, that, it's like the coin market cap or coin gecko of DAOs. And it goes, it goes into like how many active participants, who the most active people are. Um, treasury size. I'm like, wow, this, de- this website's super in depth. So if like anybody ever wants to do some deep down research, deep down is where it's at. Yeah. Um, personally for Uniswap V3, like I, I definitely am a romantic over that as well. Um, just cause I, I've studied it so much and I think it's easy. People need to be like, not financial advice, obviously, but like people need to, if they decide they want to LP on Uniswap V3, it's all about being conservative and being patient. Like people always get too tight of ranges and then boom, they have like impermanent loss to the max. But like, here's a simple rule of thumb I like to do. If like, if you just want to be conservative, just like find like either like ETH, ETH, like USDC or like find like one, like 1% like D like volatile asset that like happens to have a lot of volume at the moment. Like right now it's like Lido and just do like some conservative range, like 4X above, 4X below, like the current like base pair price. So like 4X above, 4X below, like the ETH price, maybe 3X above, 3X below. I find doing like that rule of thumb, like you will like a cure freeze and um, you like will, you'll stay. The most important thing is like you just stay in range. And like if you're in it long enough and you're patient with it, then you start seeing returns. So if like for rule of thumb, like 3X above, 3X below. Um, <laughs> and it's just like all about your risk tolerance as well. Because the, yeah, the reason I, why... I just like... Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Go ahead, Taki. Oh, sorry. Go, go for it. Go for it. Um, I, I just wanted to emphasize on the Uniswap thing because 
they currently account for like 70% of kind of all the DEX volume. And I'm looking at Ultrasound Monday right now. And for the last 360 days, um, the top four are OpenSea, Uniswap, Tether, and Uniswap V3. So then over time, like Uniswap is one of the most active contract on chain for any purpose, right? And second, uh, and then only losing to OpenSea being NFTs. And if Uniswap, you know, acquired, you know, Genie and continued marching down this path of allowing you to trade everything, like, I feel like they're going to be a really strong public good uh, candidate. And maybe, you know, how Fraxis has Frax ETH. Do you think it will ever be possible to have a uni ETH where people just stake ETH onto uni and because, you know, they're burning a lot of ETH, they might as well kind of um, capture some of that back. That, that's interesting. Yeah, I think uni is trying to be like this one-stop shop for all asset trading. So ERC 20s and also NFTs. Um, yeah, I'm yeah, really excited about like Pseudoswap as well. Yep. Yeah, they integrate Pseudoswap. I also like Pseudoswap. Um, it's like, I feel like the trend, I feel, I feel like one thing you have to do in DeFi is like identify trends. And one of the trends I've observed is that, you know, Uniswap kind of leads the AMM design innovation and then everything else follows. But, you know, even though Uniswap doesn't have LP mining, you know, liquidity mining, you know, they still have most of the TVL. And then UDV3 comes out and then everyone is forced to follow. Um, and I think with Pseudoswap, yeah. um, I think concentrated liquidity for, Pseudos uh, for NFTs makes a lot of sense. Uh, you create instant liquidity for every NFT. So you fix like the liquidity problem. Um, and it also, it's also going to enable uh, NFT to NFT swaps and also NFT borrowing or borrowing against NFTs because there could be like an easier way to liquidate your NFT uh, if it's always credit against ETH. Um, but then the, the, the token is very speculative. So... I have no idea what it's going to do, what it's going to do, but yeah, I feel like Uniswap is, is like the one-stop shop for like asset swaps. It makes a lot of sense. And you know, if they ever turn on staking or if they ever become their own chain and you can like stake, uh, stake uni to earn fees or what something, then it's going to be like probably a top 10 asset. Uni chain. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. And, it's probably going to be like a top 10 coin or top 20 at least. You, you actually talked about Frax chain in your video. I speculated mm -hmm. about it. You saw a, a Sam screenshot. So like, what, have you thought about Frax chain more? I have a few thoughts on Frax chain as well. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know anything about it. Um, I don't think about it because it's not like a good use of my time. Like, like I, I don't really get anything out of I like that. speculating on. Like, I'm not going to spend like an hour of my time, like think, like thinking about the future of Frax chain. Cause I have no idea. I'd rather let, I'd rather just like buy FXS and let, let Sam deal with it. And <laughs> <laughs> Sam, we trust. And Sam, trust. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, do you know anything yeah. about Frax chain? Um, like, what, what's, like, what's the point of Frax chain? I don't get it. Like, um, if I had to like speculate on Frax chain, I think, you know, Frax is you know, with all these different primitives, whether it's like. Fraxland, Fraxswap, FPI, like Frax is building its own decentralized financial ecosystem in a sense, all powered by Frax and with the FXS token. And for the best way for the FX, both the FX token to accrue value and also like to make the whole system as efficient as possible is I think Frax will like become a roll up one day and I could see it becoming, I think it would make the most sense for it to become a hybrid roll up. Roll -up. And so like, it will like, ex you know, it will do like executions and then like from time to time it will push like 
security to like the main chain. And so that, it's like this like really cool like mix system um, where it's like, you know, it, it can still, it's still efficient enough and it's, but like every once in a while it like pushes security to the main chain. Um, and like a lot of, you know, I, I definitely see it setting towards like a ZK, whether it's like ZK EVM or like Cairo, who knows, like it's interesting seeing this whole race, like the ZK EVM race, like who's going to come out, come out with ZK EVM first and like, oh, well like start, will Cairo pull ahead? Like, oh, like, well, like optimism or, or Arbitrum like switch to zero knowledge proofs, who knows? But like, I, 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 you see like things converging in the space, whether like converging towards ZK rollups or converging towards like this all encompassing financial system and everybody wants to like make their own chain. Like, I think like definitely not a priority now. And I think there's like a lot of testing needing to be done and nor do I think like Frax should like focus on Frax chain now. But if I had to imagine a Frax chain, it would be like a ZK rollup with like a hybrid system or something like that. I see. I hmm. see. I yeah. think Sam said it best in um, the previous podcast that we did with him and Robert. It was like, it was a decentralized yeah, Binance. He's saying how, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, like Terra kind of did it backwards, right? They went way too ham having a chain right away. Then they crank up the speed and have so much uh, stablecoin liability. And they, they just did it too quickly and they did it backwards. Whereas Sam is taking approach with Frags of like slow and steady of fleshing out, you know, first the stablecoin, then the AMOs to support the stablecoin then the lending part on the lending elements and then the swaps and that slowly starts building integrating into the the curve and the centralized exchange and um decentralized exchanges so he building out this almost layer of finance on top of ethereum and frax has always been kind of ahead of all the other DeFi protocols right you look at abe now they're coming out with their stable coin and curve is coming out with their stable coin and you know, is Ave going to have a Dex somewhere? Integrate somehow? It's I think they do you have know? swaps. Yeah, they already they have, have swaps integrated oh, they okay, in Aave so already. You like, yeah. Everyone's right, converging so then, on the same thing. Even CZ said, um, yeah, yeah, in five years, they want Binance to have more action like on BNB BNB chain than on the on their centralized uh, right. platform. So like everyone's converging on like who, but it's a matter of like, what do you prefer? Who's going to get there first? What's going to be the easiest for the end user? And like, what's going to be the most sovereign and permissionless? Right, right. And, and at the end of the day, like, wh where is the battlefield? Is it in terms of liquidity? Like, you know, who has the deepest liquidity is going to win? Or is it who has the best UI UX is going to win? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure that out for myself across all the That's different That's a really good question. Like, you know. So. Or I mean, maybe it's a combination just aggregators. Of both, right? They're not mutually you know? exclusive. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, um, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think liquidity is the, it's, I think liquidity is the foundation. Like if you don't have liquidity, like for stable bonds to maintain peg or for volatile assets to like make reasonable trades and you don't really have anything, that's the basis. And then like on top of that, if you don't have a good UI, um, then no one's going to use your product. Like the reason, you know, swap still has like more activity than aggregators. It's because of UI is just so simple and it's phenomenal. Like anybody. And we can like go ahead and make it, it's very like easy to use. And the fact that they made, think, remember, like no one thought like Dexes would be a thing two years ago or like three years ago. They're like, oh, that's like five, 10 years away. And Uniswap completely flipped that narrative and made like, oh, Dexes are the thing. Like Dexes are like the center, AMMs are like the center of DeFi. And it really like kicked off DeFi summer and like all the on-chain activity 
we see today, whether it's NFTs or on other chains. Yeah, I think it, yeah, whoever controls liquidity is gonna be the gonna be the leader. Um, liquidity bequeaths more liquidity. Yes. <laughs> Taki, did you <laughs> ever play with any yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Oh no, I was asking if you're gonna ask something, <laughs> but it sounds like uh, you're yeah, asking I was. Something. I was. I was gonna ask. Um, <laughs> did you ever play around with all the NFTs flipping and things like that? No, like, I mean, I, I, I'm like super bullish NFTs long term, um, but I don't think I have an edge like picking out which PFP to like pick. Um, I think the only thing I understood was like Moonbirds, even though I didn't like mint or like didn't I, I never purchased Moonbirds, but I think that makes I, sense. I didn't understand Moonbirds. Yeah, yeah, can you what, what, I don't what one made what clicked for Moonbirds. But yeah, it, it's just like the the way I think about it is because. Everyone thinks about NFTs as like a PFP collection, right? It's just like, like a flex, like a way to flex on people or like your flex your wealth or something, um, or like, you know, a status symbol. But with Moonbirds, I just thought of it as like Kevin Rose, who is like this Web2 guy creating a Web3 startup under this Moonbirds slash proof collective brand. So it's like a way, like buying this NFT was a way to bet on Kevin Rose executing uh, building home up three. Uh, so I'm not really evaluating the art or anything. I'm just like, yeah, like you just bet on Kevin Rose You're to bet, ship. Betting on the person. Yeah, like yeah. He, it's a startup. Like he has like 20 people working under him uh, for Moonbirds and Slash Proof. And, you know, he's going to, I mean, he's already rich, right? He's going to keep shipping, right? So you're just like betting on his success. Um, so anyways, like at, at the current valuation, I don't really know if, if I want to buy Moonbirds. Um, so... I, I, I always wanted to like bet on like NFT infrastructure, but I was like never a fan of like Luxrare or like X2Y2. And like OpenSea, you can't like, you know, pe regular people can't really yeah, yeah. gain equity on it. So, yeah, I view NFTs like, I think you've like said it like it's a sh mean shelling point. Like you're betting on both like either like the person or team behind it or you're betting or like you like vibe with the community. And it's just like really a shelling point for people to like come together. Cause they have this belief or commonality in in something, whether it's like the value of like the community or like they believe in the founder or whatever else. And also like, I think something more in the future, you're going to see more utility NFTs and practical NFTs. And one example of that is ENS volume is going through the roof recently. Like everyone's picking up ENS names and it, there's this whole narrative around, you know, social, um, social block, you know, blockchain using it for social purposes and more, you know, out, outer outside of finance and the Talix ETC talk, not this year, but last year was all about like non-financial use cases and social was a big part of that. And now you see lens coming on and you see, um, another like a little bit of alpha for you guys is a lot of <laughs> gelato automations is actually like coming from game. If you look on like their, I think their do dashboards coming from gaming and it's actually going to start, it's coming from social more and more. If you just like follow gelato automation, like you get to see like where are the activities going on chain? And so like, I see like social logins, like becoming like social, becoming like a much bigger part in, in the future. And especially with like, I, something else, uh, from this ECC that I just went to was, a uh, uh, Gitcoin and also discord, like coming out with their own, like the Gitcoin passport, the disco's data backpacks, and people can like carry their, you know, identity, like on chain identity with them. 
And that identity could be used as like either like collateral possibly for lending. It could be used for like an on-chain census to say like, oh, are you like, do you qualify for like this airdrop or are you this member of the community? So like I'm bullish on like NFTs in the future. And like, I think like it's in a first, you're seeing it happen slowly. And then it's just gonna be like all at once. It's like, oh, now it makes sense. Yeah. But the pieces are getting there. Yeah. And NFTs took me by surprise. Um, but I, I, I get it. I mean, I, I don't really get it, but I get it, you know? Like, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Like, I don't yeah. get why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. <laughs> yeah. I feel that. Um, so. As well as, as ahead, what Ken. do you think is going to be that um, next sector or, or niche that's going to come out of crypto, right? First it was DeFi, then it was NFTs, and now 2023 would be, what do you think? Maybe games, but. I think it's, it's, it's very difficult to create a game. Um, Extremely. <laughs> I mean, De DeFi Kingdoms was like super hot and then uh, <laughs> it, it, it went down and like Harmony also got ready. So, um, yeah, I, I feel like introducing NFTs and token incentives for or token, like, tokenomic structures for NFTs or sorry, gaming makes a lot of sense. I just feel like it's very difficult to like actually execute. It, um, mm -hmm. It gives it more reasonable to expect yeah. like GTA to launch a token or like, like like an existing game to launch a token or slash NFTs or is it reasonable to expect like a crypto native project to start from zero and like build something up? I, I don't know. Um, but you know, uh, I'm, I'm going to continue to like look for game, a gaming place um, because like, I feel like the risk for is like pretty asymmetric. Uh, I feel, I feel like stablecoin. I, I mean, I think stablecoins will also just be like an up only sector, yeah. right? Um, I don't know if I don't know if Fraxis is the answer, but um, I'll continue to bet on stablecoin infra, whatever. But also, like I, I think NFTs has a reasonable chance to like lead us out of the bear market too. Um, it's like understanding DeFi. And, like I made this hour long video on Frax, right? I mean, like most people aren't going to watch that. Um, and understanding Frax requires like uh, like many hours of like understanding curve and like all that stuff <laughs> and convex like but with nfts i feel like it's simpler to understand um as in like oh yeah it's it's artwork it's like you know you can be part of this community or whatever so i feel like potentially nft volume could pick up Great. it'll lead more speculation into the markets and then that'll lead eth uh activity rise increase the amount of burn increase gas fees across the board and then alt l1 slash l2s can also ramp up because of ETH gas fees being high. And maybe that's how the bear market, like maybe that's how like we um, come out of the bear, uh, but I'm not sure. Um, yeah, bringing this back to Frax, what is your favorite Frax primitive that they have at or that they're building? And is there like one, or even like, and not just primitive, but like partnership, like with like Frax BP, is there like one that you think will be the catalyst for Frax? Um, well, the I, I've known about Frax since launch, um, but I just like never bought into it. Um, I think when they first started getting into CVX, like that made a lot of sense to me. Um, and then with Frax BP, like that's when I bit the bullet. Um, and okay, like a bit on Frax is like a bit on bit curve. The bullet. You jumped in the base pool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the base pool. Yeah. Uh, that that convinced. Me. Uh, I, I think I'm most excited for the Frax baseball uh, Frax BP. Um, 
in terms of KPIs, like that's my bull case. So like I have to, that, that's what I track. If it, if it doesn't gain any traction, then unfortunately I might have to sell, but, um, you know, like I'm giving, I'm, I'm willing to give it time and whatnot. Uh, it'll be yeah. interesting if the Aave stablecoin go gets paired with Frax VP. Um, that would validate the thesis. Um, but maybe Aave, maybe because they're so big, like Curve will just give them free, free incentives. I'm, I'm not really sure how it'll go. And I know Balancer did a token swap with Aave, so maybe Balancer is going to give them favorable, like, I don't know, like incentives or something. Mm -hmm. Uh. I don't know, but yeah, Frax BP, definitely the most interesting thing. Um, Fraxland is interesting too, but I kind of need to see it in action in order for me to like, like, you know, be mm -hmm. excited about it, even though it makes sense, like, you know, being a stablecoin issuer, like it makes sense for you to lend out your assets to generate more fees and stuff. Frax creating Fraxland, Ave creating a stable coin. It's all converging. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just a bit on curve, I think. Yeah, do you, or maybe 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 I'm wrong with yeah. that, but yeah. Hey, Kit, what do you think? My bear case against Frax BP is with um, Curve USD coming out, and why wouldn't Curve want that to be the base pair for for everything else instead of using you know Frax base pair, and that's going to be my one uh, bear case against Frax VP. What do you think, Taiki? Uh, Taiki? Well, yeah. Well, the thing is, that's, that's an, yeah. I feel like Frax, I feel like Frax, Convex, and Curve are just like becoming this one entity. Yep. Uh, over time. I mean, Frax still wait with Stripper Curve. They're going to lock up their CRV. They're going to stop farming and dumping. I mean, they're going to continue to accumulate more CVX over time. And I don't, and if you, I don't know if you saw like the, the, the white paper that leaked, I mean, it's, it's not really a white paper, but like the screenshot, yeah. like the llama mm -hmm. stable coin. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's probably going to be like loan liquidation, AMM. I, I, I don't know what it's going to be, but I don't necessarily think it's, they're going to compete with one another. And like I said, you know, stable coins literally up only market. So if like more decentralized yeah. stables increase in market cap, then that's only good for stablecoin yields in general, which should be good for, I mean, if Curve USD works, then that's more value cool for Curve. And if if there's more value cool for Curve, then that creates more demand, or sorry, creates more uh, value for Convex uh, because Convex uh, determines where Curve emissions go. So as a biggest holder of CBX, FRAC should benefit from Curve USD doing well. Uh, and I think- I think stablecoins are, it's like, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, no, go ahead. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, but, um, yeah, I feel like, I, I think Frax like peaked at like $3 billion market cap, right? Like at the Pico top. And it was like 2.8, 2.9. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like, like, I mean, of course, like Sam wants to go to the trillion or something, <laughs> you know, but I don't know, like. I don't know what the likelihood of that is. I wanted to go to a trillion. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, we're all, we're all going to be like, you know, we'll all own an island, island or something if that happens, but like. I, a Frax Island. Yeah. But, and there'll be a free, free gym membership for everybody that comes there. Yeah. <laughs> there'll be, there'll be, yeah. yeah. But, but no, I think it's reasonable for Frax to like slowly grow over time, like maybe 10 billion, 20 billion, very slowly. And. You know, like, we just want to, like, I guess, I guess 
from a Frax Enjoyer perspective, we just like look, Enjoyer. Yeah, we, we look forward <laughs> to, you know, Frax growing in market cap. I, I think in the past couple of weeks, it grew about like 10 million or something. I, I forget. Like Frax market cap is like trending up recently. Not by too much, but you know, it's like, oh yes, it's happening. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see if that trend continues. Yeah. I think the most important point you made is Stable coins are a P to E environment, not a P to P environment. And I agree with you. I think the more stable coins, the better. And I think, you know, with Aave coming out with Go, Curve coming out with their stable coin, it's just a way for them to optimize the capital that they already have that's being, in a sense, unused. And like now, like with like overcollateralized Curve or like whatever they're building, you'll be able to like utilize liquidity and Curve to create a stable coin. And that's how I speculate about it. And like with that, you can like create more liquidity with Frax BP. And then it's just like, like you said, like it's up only for stable coins from there. Yeah. Let's hope so. Let's <laughs> hope so. Fingers we crossed. We want them a stable coin yield. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. do you guys subscribe think, yeah. to the uh, power law with stable coins? Meaning one is going to pretty much rule them all? Or are we going to have kind of a uh, basket of stable coins? I mean, I think like how I view it is, um, there's stable coins at like different levels. Like there's, you know, tethers, the centralized stable coin, USDC is like this bridge on chain stable coins. It's a stable coin for ETH, but like for like other chains, like rollups and stuff, uh, that's like yet to be decided. Like, I think Frax could like definitely like go in and be like the stable coin for like rollups and certain L1s. Like I know at Harmony, um, Frax was like the go-to stablecoin. Like a lot of projects like chose Frax or like own forks, they chose Frax. So I think the stablecoin market's like, so it's still like small. Like there's only like, I don't know, like a hundred million market cap. I haven't checked. Um, and there's just like a lot of room to grow. And like Frax is, is positioning itself as like the, we're the fully on-chain transparent stablecoin. We're DeFi stablecoin. Like we we're here, we like share the same crypto ethos as like, as uh, this like lineage from like Satoshi to Vitalik to Sam in a sense. And so like, I think there's like room, definitely like room to grow for Frax. And it, I don't, I think it will probably be like two to three winners and each will have its like own purpose. But I think like Frax is like right now positioning itself. It's not like set in stone yet, but like, it's like doing everything it can to position itself to be like, the like on-chain stable coin, especially for like these rollups and other chains. Yeah, it's like, I, I, I agree. I, I think people say that like, you know, Ethereum is going to be the only chain or something, but I think I think the future is like multi-chain. Um, right now with low gas fees, there's like less incentive to use Altel ones, but you know, at some point, you know, the bull will resume and then gas fees will spike. Um, and, you know, of course, Optimism and Arbitrum is gaining traction, but um, I'm not really sure if the tech is ready yet. Maybe it will be um, over time, but um, I, th I think there's, I think a lot of demand for block space will flow into other L1s. And similarly, um, I think you know there's going to be. It's I don't I don't think it's going to be a winner takes all. I think yeah, like you said, um, every stable like different stable coins will have different use cases, and maybe Frax will be um, a DeFi native stable coin where. You know, DeFi native projects will partner with Frax. Um, you know, maybe because they own a bunch of CVS. Maybe, maybe that's why. But uh, I don't really see projects partnering with like Circle or Bitfinex for Tether, right? Or USDC. Um, 
So if we do, if, if we do envision like this decentralized future, then I feel like fraps will be part of it. Um, though it's going to be really hard to, um, surpass, you know, Tether or USDC. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What do you think? So my bullish, bullish case for frats was it being the de facto pair that you want to put your USDC against, and then you throw it into the curve pool. And then the frats BPLP token becomes the super stable that every chain kind of uses because frags has done a great job getting frags across all the chain, right? Every single chain has like canonical FRA act stable. Well, you know, the, the bridging process is kind of complicated, but, oh, every chain kind of has their own canonical frags, which I think is really, really cool. USDC doesn't really do that. Like they take a little bit longer to move. I think only recently that they have a USDC like officially onto avalanche, I think. Um, but you know, it takes a while for the central institution to partner up with all these DeFi or decentralized uh, infrastructure. So for me, like Frax BP is going to be the super stable that every USDC is going to go into. Because why would you hold USDC when you could hold Frax BP and earn some yield? And with Frax, they would prove out at the multi-billion dollar level that it would not depeg. I got it. That is the bull case. And I think it is a winner takes all. And I think Frax is going to take it all. Always bullish. (laughs) (laughs) Bullish. Yeah. Like, honestly, like that, the whole, you guys are right. Like the whole like curve convex Frax, uh, trilateral alliance is really, it's like, it's Frax, it's like, it's Frax's stronghold and they all rely on each other and they all like give each other value like i'm not sure where curve would be if you know or convex would be if frax wasn't doing all those vote incentives early on um they were the ones to recognize that first and like i'm not sure like where frax would be if like they wouldn't have been able to access that curve deep liquidity um and they all like play into each other and i think it's a good thing that they're all getting closer with each other with you know frax base pool and then like convex owning fxs and then like the Frax protocol only convex. It's kind of like that whole Spider-Man meme, like everyone's pointing at each other. <laughs> but, um, and I think all like the teams are like pretty capable and like, you know, they know what they're doing and they're all thinking long-term. So I'm just like bullish all three bull- protocols really. And that's their stronghold. And like from there, like, you know, from Frax base pool, they can like go and expand from there. Um, I'm personally super excited for Frax ETH. I think like that's going to be the next wave. And like, I think I said this before in the last podcast, I think, you know, everyone's making a stable coin. Everyone's making a V system soon. Everyone's going to have their own like Lido copy. <laughs> like once that becomes obvious, like, oh, it's 10% yields. Like let's, what are we doing? But you know, we'll, we'll see if that plays out. Yeah. Sorry, my dog was going crazy. Uh, yeah. hey, just quit. Is that a rifle um, on your wall? So another thing I want to, yeah, yeah. Oh no, that that's it. No, that's a. Oh. It's a, it's a bird. Oh, we got it. <laughs> I thought it looked like it. It's not a rifle. Are you sweeping floors <laughs> in that room? Are you sweeping some floors? No, actually, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> oh. It, it, it Kid, like... where'd you get rifle from? Oh, yeah. And oh, he actually does rifle. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I mean, he, he does live in San Francisco, so I, you know, I understand. I mean, it... <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, oh. like, I, you have to uh, rake. What do we got? You got to rake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No yeah. rifles in this household. <laughs> it's just, just, just farm equipment. <laughs> Farming. That's where you're like, he's out twirling in the field on his trying farmer. to get some yields. Yeah. You know, it's a bull market when I whoop this yeah. out in the field. Like, <laughs> I remember I whooped this out in a couple of my Matic videos. And there was like a total meme. Oh, but you know, recently the yields have not been that bountiful, yeah. so I can't whip this out. But one day, yeah, the, one that day, actually one leads day, soon, into bro. My next question. Yeah, what's it like? What's it like creating content on YouTube? Like, what's been your experience in the whole crypto YouTube sphere? Because I know it's a lot different than the Twitter sphere. So, like, what's it like in crypto YouTube land? Um, it's. How should I say this? It's, I mean, it's definitely interesting. Like I, I, I never expected my YouTube to like pop up. Um, that, I, I think you asked this earlier, but like the reason I started my YouTube was because I don't have a financial background. I mean, I have a business degree, um, but I like, um, focused on like marketing branding, um, not like finance. So I started making videos because if I ever wanted to work for a crypto company, I can use my channel as like my resume, uh, as in like, Hey, like I have like 10 videos, talk about DeFi. I kind of know what I'm talking about. Um, and then I kind of got lucky with like the polygon craze. <laughs> um, but I, th I think if you're creating content, um, you shouldn't have any expectations. Um, it's like this, if you build it, they will come mentality of like, if you just continue to have good intentions, um, you know, be as ethical as you can, um, try to create a relationship with your audience. Um, now at some point, you know, one of your videos will do well, uh, and no, I guess you, you, you can build a following. Um, I, I think there, I think with crypto, like when I first joined the space, there was like so many like grifters, right. Of like, just like p people like pumping and dumping and like doing paid shills. Um, so I feel like just being, just, or just trying to be a good person is like enough for people to like you because there's a pretty low bar, I think when it comes to being, oh crypto influencer um so you know obviously like sometimes I, I get things wrong sometimes i get i get wrecked um sometimes i get rugged yes <laughs> as we yeah, all do but i feel like it's a rite of yeah, passage yeah, yeah. but um you know I, I i said this before but like you can question like my decision making and like how i think about things but like i don't want people to ever question like my integrity um and like that's kind of the philosophy i have for my channel um and I think like, the, like during the bull market, I think I, like everyone get, gets caught up in like just things that pump and whatnot. Um, so the reason I've been posting less videos recently is because I kind of want to focus more on like education and like evergreen content. Uh, so like long fracks video, long GMX video. Um, I think those types of content will be relevant next week, next month, probably even next year. So focusing on. I feel like you have to change with the times. Um, I might start start doing more live streams. Uh, just like, you know, create more casual content. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, I'm just like experimenting with various ideas um, and just trying to listen to what people want. It's like constant A-B testing, like what, yeah, what works, what doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think what you do right is like, like you said, like, you you care about what you're putting out. Um, you care that it's high quality. Like the whole Frax video is like very well done. It's very detailed and goes, and you did your homework. You found 
a video of like something I posted in like 2018, 2019 of like Sam you posted at, that? <laughs> speaking to a UCLA class. I was, that was me. Yeah. I, I actually oh, filmed heck? that. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're literally a Sam Maxi. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, well, I mean, I've been like, <laughs> it's funny, like, um, my like old gelato, like coworkers, which joked that I, would be, I was at the school <laughs> of Sam. Um, but like I worked with him at I worked with them with him at Everpedia, gotcha, so like that's gotcha. why I like that. I was like there, yeah. So like I like I'm I'm I call myself Day Zero Frax, <laughs> but any back no back to you like no you like really do like put in the effort with your podcast and like you definitely and like I like how you have these like standards and you have a bar. It's just like okay, like I'm looking at the fundamentals. Like this is like the key parameter I'm looking at. It's Frax Base Pool. If it doesn't meet that, then like I'm going to sell. If it does meet that, then like it proves my thesis right. And like I think like one thing we have to keep doing is like questioning ourselves and questioning our theses. And like, what if it does go to zero tomorrow? Like, what are the risks? And like, I think like you know, it's very easy to be romantic. I think we all fall for it. But like, you know, the fact that you're like aware of like okay, it's like not. I know I'm infallible. Like I know I make mistakes, and like we all do. But um, you know, being being open to being wrong. I think like that's really important in, in the space. Cause like a lot of grifters are just like, Oh, I'm always right. Like, Oh, trust me, this and that. But like at the end of the day, like, I think like the people you trust most are the people that like realize, like they don't know it all. Um, they just know, you know, and like to honestly, to make in the space, you don't have to know everything. You just yeah. have to know some things and it's okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, wrong. I mean, blue, a three hours blew up, right? So like no one, like no one really knows what they're doing. Um, Dude, three arrows, honestly, like three arrows, that was so trippy because like everyone like looked up to them so much. They're like, our guys. And then like, boom, they just, they were just like, wait, they like, they're just like, they're wrong too. They're just like me. But like, they just like, just were degening to the freaking max. Like, I mean, like, it's insane how much money they borrowed. It's insane. Like how much social trust and social capital they built out where they could just like be taking out billion dollar loans and they were managing DeFi treasuries. And how, in a sense, they, like, really took advantage of anyone's trust. And, like, you know what they say, like, you, like, take a million-dollar loan, you can't pay it back, it's your problem. You take a billion-dollar loan, it's the bank's problem. And they took out so many billion-dollar loans from different lenders and stuff. And, you know, um, the everything just centralized, crypto crashed, but, like, DeFi stood. DeFi stood yeah. strong. I, I feel like the space needs to stop ev evangelizing, like, figures, like, even myself, like, I, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, I'm just like trying my best, you know, I'm just like, all right, all right, yeah. do, do all the work. Um, and like, there was like, I, uh, like this morning I saw this tweet I from like this, one of the major VCs in the space. And this, this guy was like, oh yeah, like I invest in DeFi, but I don't use DeFi. Like, and everyone's like, bro, like the, 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 the hell are you talking about, man? Like, how can you invest in DeFi if you don't use it? Um, so yeah. Do kind of like my rule of thumb is like the but if if the person like shows their face, it's okay if they're doxxed. Um, actually, no, I take never mind. I take that back. I never I'm because <laughs> I was about to like prove myself wrong. I'm <laughs> never mind. Yeah, Sammy. Yeah, never mind. Man, I um normally at the end of the podcast, I like to ask a couple round of like lightning questions for you, um, Peggy. So the first question is, when did okay. you? first touch the chain what was your version crypto experience uh i first touched the chain um that's touched the chain that's the chain like in january i think i bought badger for the first time uh i don't know why I, what did you use I was like 
Is there a Bitcoin Maxi back then? Yeah, I was like, I was like, oh yeah, Bitcoin yields <laughs> on chain. That makes sense. Ooh, like, you know, Bitcoin yields juicy. I'm gonna buy some Badger. Gonna buy some Dig. Gonna farm. And then you know, this is like this. This was before I knew how token value accrual worked and how governance tokens worked. Um, I still made money for some reason. Um, I think if you check the Badger chart, it's just like with like three dollars, like sixty dollars, and like. I don't even know what it's at now, but like, you know, down only, um, even though the, the, the Badger team is still shipping. Down only. I, I, I do like Mr. Stataboon, but yeah, like I just like FOMO'd, Badger, staked it, spent a shit ton of gas fees, sold them. And, and like, that, that's what, I, that's when I kind of knew that like, like eat alone can't scale. So I need to ape into like alt ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> This was like early 2021. So I think this is like January, uh, whenever the Badger pump was, the initial pump. That's like when I first used the chain and I got wrecked uh, emotionally because I, <laughs> I, that's when it hit me that I don't know what I'm doing. Wow. Okay. I, I think you answered my second question. I was going to be like, what was your most so, regrettable moment in crypto? <laughs> but I think you just answered that. Oh, oh, that, that yeah, that, that's not the, oh, no, my, my most regrettable, definitely not Badger. Um, what is it? Might be like Tomb Finance. I got expl- like uh... <laughs> oh these names. Oh, oh these names. Tomb season. They thought <laughs> Ohm. They thought Ohm season was crazy. They should have seen like all the Tomb stables yeah, and I, I, I guess there's two answers to this. Um, one regret where I lost was like Tomb, right? Because uh, I mean, I, I had I had this on Tomb and like it, it like played out before like Andre rugged. I mean, he didn't rug, but you know, he he left. Um, but I put my two MLP into this auto compounder and that auto compounder got exploited. So like that, so like, oh, that's when I told myself, like, I'm, I'm not going to take on any additional smart contract risk when I don't need to. I put it on the auto compounder because I think it was like November or something. So like if you compound things yourself, um, from a tax perspective, it counts, it counts as income, right? So I'd rather. I wanted to put it into an auto compounder. So I, whatever profits I make, I get taxed, um, in the new year. Like, you know, I was like hoping to write it till January or something. Um, so I, I took unnecessary, unnecessary smart contract risk. So 99% of the time, I'm not going to use auto compounders. Um, that's one. And then that, that, that's when I lost money. Um, I took like a 7% hit or something on my portfolio. Um, and then. The other regret is, I guess, it's like Trader Joe. I, I, I was like so early on Avalanche. I was like so, so early, but I bought like AVAX and Pangolin instead of the Joe token and Joe 100X. And I was like, so like, I, I didn't even know what, like what I was thinking. Um, like I still made money on Avalanche and Pangolin, but Joe had the main power. 100X. Yeah, I, I totally faded it. I don't know why. Um, yeah, like that, that was, that was pretty tough. That was pretty tough. It's, it's what like was having, your biggest W? Like, I, I think like, what hurts like... generally is like, you... uh. so, sorry. Um, oh, go ahead. Yeah. I, I think one, I think you're about to finish something. I wanted to, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I, I think what hurts the most is like when you have a thesis or when you have an idea that's correct but you bet on the wrong horse. Um, 
because you spend so much time or, you know, I spent so much time like having ideas and then, you know, I, I buy something and it plays out, but I bought the wrong thing. I feel like that's kind of infuriating and I'm sure it's relatable to yeah. a lot of people. Mm. It's like, you know, it's happened to us all. Um, I, I, I feel kind of, I feel bad. I, I want to like turn this positive. So like, let's <laughs> I mean, see your biggest W. Bad. Is there a time like your thesis did prove out or <laughs> is there a time your thesis did like play out like right? And you're just like, yes, like, let me get this win. Oh, when, when my thesis played out? Yeah. Like what, what's like a W you had? I think, I think I'm most proud of, um, let's see. I think I'm most proud of like identifying the alt L1 rotation narrative. Like, I, I don't know who like memed it into existence, but I think I was like a big part of it because I started with Polygon. So Luna Avax. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, like Hasaka yeah. came up with that in like September maybe, but I was like rotating L1s in like April. Um, and then like, I, 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 I found the avalanche and that played out. So like, that's one of the things where like. Like I, I had a thesis about L1s just being undervalued in general and seeing it play out like was a big boost to like my confidence um, and also like my channel too. Um, and then DeFi Kingdoms was good too. Um, Hell yeah. Even though they, even though it's down only. Mm -hmm. Talk soup <laughs> down bad, not just down, <laughs> down bad. Yeah. Um, and uh, so outside of DeFi and life on chain what do you like to do off chain what do you like to do when you're not doing crypto things I, what do you enjoy I, I enjoy spending time with my pug um i, I love my pug show us i i, I used to not Aww. be a dog person but is he around can you say hi <laughs> he's just waiting this whole time he's, <laughs> he's like, just in the corner I, i'm gonna make a star <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh Sense. Yeah, exactly. That's why I dog. wanted to bring the dogs in. <laughs> dogs and babies are like always going to have <laughs> clicks. Yeah. Yeah, dog. Oh my God. Imagine if one of us had a baby. Wait, wait, Sam, you have a baby. In the oh, next look at that cast. thing. <laughs> Get up. Look who we What's have his name? here. What's her look, name? Oh. What, what's. Look at that yawn. Um. His his name is Tage. Um, Taiki and Tage. It stands for like lots of hair in Japanese. Yeah. Oh, what does it stand for? Uh, it stands for lots of hair in Japanese. It's it's it's, uh, it's, it's an inside joke. Uh, so Tage and Tage and Taiki, T uh, squared. Yeah. So he's looking yeah, like how how old is he? My arm. He's like, I've been. He's he's like. Yeah. He's, he's almost three. I love uh, pucks. He's like, I've been waiting for you. You've been doing a podcast. Oh. <laughs> Did you grow yeah. up with pucks? Uh, no. Um, oh, my, nice. my, my girlfriend is like a huge pug person and she converted me into a pug lover. A pug maximalist, one would yeah. say. <laughs> I can't imagine owning <laughs> any other dog, but who knows? Yeah, nice. nice. Taiki loves the peg on chain and the yeah. pug well, off chain. If there's... <laughs> off chain <laughs> yeah for sure yeah and and with that that's that's a wrap that's a show 
everyone. Thanks for coming to Flywheel. Uh, Taiki, thank you for coming on, sharing us your strategy, your alpha, really being honest with us about like how you evaluate projects, how you view the market. Um, very insightful. And I think a lot of our viewers can take a lot from it and can learn a lot from it. Nice. Thanks, guys. Cool, buddy. Thanks, man. Appreciate your jumping. Thanks. Well, that was this week's flywheel. Um, it was really nice. It was really, it was really nice to talk to a fellow DGen, a fellow uh, DeFi evangelist, someone that you can tell that he cares about the future of DeFi and the ecosystem, that he's in it for the right reasons. He really w cares about his viewers and like wants to do good by them and wants to make sure he's delivering the highest quality possible. So I encourage all our viewers to go subscribe to Talking Media. Um, what did you, what about you? What do you think of this week, Kit? I think we had an extremely honest conversation. He was just definitely a good yeah. dude. He was, you know, the same as in this video, like a very genuine guy. And uh, a quick shout out again to his YouTube channel is Taiki Meta. We'll also leave a link in the description for you. Yeah. And also don't forget to subscribe to us on YouTube. We almost, I think we have over 430 followers. Uh, I oh, mean, yeah. subscribers. Strong. We have four, damn. Um, like three, almost three months in and like we have over 400 subscribers like keep it up guys thank you for the support and don't forget to follow us on twitter at flywheel pod telegram at flywheel pod don't forget to follow me at defi dave 22 you can follow me at zero x capital underscore k and we'll see you next week peace thanks guys